Hi, I'm Dale Stain. This is the Geek and Friends podcast, and if I was you, I'd turn it off right now. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Geek and Friends podcast. They come so thick and fast these days that it's difficult to keep up with them. Um, I think the last one I did was in October, and the one before that I did was in March. But, you know, let's not let's not make a big deal out of it. I've been busy, all right? It's just let's not bang on about it. I'm joined today for a bit of a Q&A and a roundup of all of the nonsense that's happened in the cricket world over the last, well, I mean, probably we could do it over the last 24 hours, but we've got six months worth of material here that we can we can use to talk about. But I'm joined by David Tickner, um, uh, internet user. Hello, Dave. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, Pete. Uh, how long is this podcast going to be? I'm not sure. I haven't decided yet. 20 minutes? 20 I mean, minutes. You and a I, I thought that was one of the questions. When will when will the Ask Geek and Chums podcast end? Isn't that one of the questions? When will this end? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that might be one of the questions. Actually, um, it ends when it ends. The, the, we don't have a hard out, um, as they use in television parlance for these particular podcasts. And that lovely Australian man that you heard there is Dan Libke. Hello, Dan. How are you? Uh, pretty good, Pete. Uh, boring times in Australian cricket, but somehow I, I continue to find something to talk about. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Is that it's not as if there's been a huge amount going on for you guys, really, over the last little while. Um, you know, other than other than losing six wickets for three ones against Vernon Philander, which was entertaining to watch because um, I like Big Vern. But yeah, it's uh, it's been a quiet little while um, for Australian cricket. So I suppose we should probably just, without too much further ado, we should probably get to these questions that we've been asked. And you know, r- let's let's start with ones about ball tampering, shall we? Shall we do that? Yeah, let's do that. Let's go for it. God, God knows, God knows, none of us have discussed it at any point previously. So, <laughs> first question. Um, is have either any of you ever cried on television having tampered with your balls? Um, so, yeah, that comes from Rupert Collier. Ever, I mean, I, I've not been on television all that often. Yeah, um, I was just saying, I don't, I'm not on television. No, I mean, when, no. when, when, perhaps, perhaps when caught when younger, when someone walked into your room as a teenager, I don't know. <laughs> I, I I was once on television uh, dressed in a banana costume, uh, doing a dance for no good reason. It was on mor- a morning breakfast show. Uh, at no point did I play with my testicles, however. See, I went on the Islam Channel to talk about talk about one of the books I wrote, and again, I, at no point did I decide to touch my genitalia or a cricket ball, nor did I cry. Um, although some of the questions I was asked might have made me. But I decided against it. I, I kept, I, 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 the, the lacrimosity was at a minimum uh, during that particular. I, I like time. that we all immediately saw through the the clever um, testicle and penis gag. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But there's actually there's actually a serious point in all of this, right? In in that, I think you have to be a bit of a prick. In fact, quite a lot of a prick. If you didn't look at Steve Smith in absolute bits, looking at the complete burnt out wreck of his life and his career sobbing on television to be there going nah don't feel anything about that fuck him that's you know what 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 sort of prick would you have to be to watch that and go did he even actually shed any real tears though ah just i mean because there's at least two senior british journalists who have become yeah they're, they're loving it 
tear duct truthers. I, I mean, um, I, I love the truth. I was I got in a bit of trouble with the truther movement on Twitter. I know this is a bit of a theme of this podcast, is me talking about my adventure in adventures in Twitter because there was a. You're a you're a dickhead. Well, I am an <laughs> arsehole on Twitter. I try and... Like, the thing is... Yeah, I am. There's no getting away from it. But anyway, I tweeted something along the lines... When people were talking about Sandpapergate, I tweeted... Just throwing stones from my glass house there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, if we're talking about the... If we're talking about who's the biggest prick on Twitter amongst the three of us on this podcast, it's Dave, then a gap, <laughs> yeah, then me, Dave. and then a really big gap, and then Dan. That's, that's pretty much how this works, isn't it? Anyway. I'm doing my best. <laughs> you know, you, I mean, the thing is, the thing is, you do it in such a lovely way that a lot of the time, the people that tweet you don't even realise that you're being mean. Um, I, I do. I do have a lot of stupid followers. Hello, uh, hello to all of you. <laughs> like to all of the stupid, you know who you are. <laughs> anyway, D- does that count? Yeah, yeah, that counts. That counts as being a dick. Um, Good. Yeah, so there was there was I was like, but it wasn't even sandpaper though, because at the first point, uh, what we were told by Cameron Bancroft was that it was some sort of tape that he'd been he'd manufactured into sandpaper by rubbing it up against the soil on the ground. Now, I mean, I was listening to that I was listening to that press conference, and like nowadays, I do I do PR and comms, right? So I kind of look at these press conferences now, and and I kind of think about you know what they were doing and all the rest of it. And I was speaking with some other guys that do this job. And basically the consensus that most people came up with in the conversations I was having about this was just that you just need to come clean as quickly as possible if you've been caught out doing something. Yeah? Don't try and obfuscate. Don't try and come up with any new excuses. Just be really, really brutally honest. And I think that's the big mistake they made because they were in such a kerfuffle, weren't they, to say something because the footage was so damning that they came up with this story that involved a management group and... Uh, tape that had been manufactured into homemade sandpaper. I'm going to try it next time I have a job to do around the house, actually, is to manufacture my own sandpaper. Um, I thought it was very crafty of him. Yeah, yeah. Um, but why, you know, it was it was, it was, was interesting, wasn't it? That they clearly... I don't think, guys, I don't think they realised quite how serious things were in that press conference. And they, I thought they could front up, say they were sorry and move on. And I think, probably, I kind of agree with them, that it wasn't actually that serious. Um, but I think they made it worse by not being completely truthful. I'm still yeah, not we, were, we weren't angry why. with the ball tampering. We were angry with the lies. But were they lies? I mean, maybe they were. I don't know. I'm like, I mean, right, okay, A little so, bit so, of lies. See, so think about it, right? Think about, like, when I was at school, yeah... And I was a bit—I was a bit of a little prick at school, and I used to get in quite a lot of trouble at school. Right? I know that's amazing to hear, isn't it? That I'm the kind of person that would have an issue with authority. Um, and and while I was while I was at school, I'd come up with all sorts of random excuses when I got caught doing something a bit naughty. Do you know what I mean? That uh, I don't know. Like, are people talking about a cover-up? Dave, was there a cover-up? No, it wasn't as clever as that. It wasn't. I, I still don't really understand what made them think that the sandpaper was the bit they had to lie about. <laughs> I, and, and the thing is, is that like I sort of once it turned, oh, it was sandpaper. I said, like, I'm the thickest person in the world because 
when you stop and think about the tape with bits of dirt on it for even a second, you think, of course that wouldn't fucking work. Like, what does sticky tape? What does sticky tape stick to itself? If you've got a bit of sticky tape in your pocket, it's not going to stick to bits of dirt. It's going to stick to itself and your trousers. But it is like you talk about being. It's like some kind of half-baked. Well, if I say this, I didn't do quite the thing I'm in trouble for. So, no, it wasn't. I, I did. I did. It was a Sats sandpaper, not actual. That's different. It's like maybe, maybe they thought that saying it was sandpaper made it sound. I mean, because the thing is, but it more cynical more somehow. Cynical, but it didn't help them, did it? Because if you're thinking about it, if you're bringing anything onto the field to try and scuff the ball up, yeah. If you're putting something in your pocket as you're walking out to field, that in itself, with the intention of, with, with the intention yeah. of roughing up the ball it almost doesn't matter what it is does it it could be right. it could be a pen knife and it but it's almost like there's something sort of like it's sort of strangely endearing well it wasn't sandpaper it was i i invented my own kind of sandpaper so that's somehow not it i it just seems such a strange thing in that situation to think all right we'll come clean about it but we're gonna lie about the sound, the actual sandpaper. It's such a weird element of the whole glorious shambles. Well, it was all so massively inept, and that's kind of like people. They go, "Well, how long have they been doing it?" And I'm like, "Well, if this is what they've been planning to do, this is the plan they came <laughs> up with. Probably not that long, right?" Because Dan, I mean, if you could think of a way to ball tamper that would get you caught as quickly as this, I mean, I mean, could could what? I suppose the question. Hashtag ask geek and chumps. Could you think of a more inept ball tampering plan than this one, Dan Lidke? Well, you could put it in your mouth and try to bite it. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. This is true. Or do a pirouette on the pitch. Yeah. Yeah, but apart from that, no. I mean, uh, there's a zillion cameras on them. They know... They know that the South Africans want to bust them at anything. By that time, you know, it's fair to say that it wasn't the friendliest uh, series that had ever been played between those two nations, or indeed any two nations. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think that it was just madness. I think there's so much... I mean, because like, that series... This is the thing that hits me with that this particular group of Australian teams, right? Is just that, like, I've got a friend, yeah? And every job they go to, they end up having loads of grief in the job they're in and they don't get on with people. Yeah. And they always seem to try and blame the people that they're working for. And I'm like, well, you've worked for five different organizations now. And every single one of those organizations has had you've had the same issues. So what's the one consistent part in that story? Well, it's you. And I kind of think that with this Australian team, if you think about it, I just kind of feel they've got so caught up in that mongrel spirit of Alan Border. But if you think about the series that they've had in a little while, they went to India and it was just absolutely some of the some of the best and some of the uh, least well-tempered cricket I've ever seen. Then there was the Ashes, where some of the things I've been told by people that the Australians were saying to certain English cricketers were just absolutely disgusting. And then you've got this series in South Africa where you had you know the blowout in the 
in the hallway, not in any way defending what I've been told Quinton de Kock said about David Warner's family. And I'm not in any way saying that it's in, in any way acceptable for you to be shaming a woman for her past, because it isn't. That is completely out of order. But, Dave, is it strange that it seems to be that every series this particular group of Australians play in ended up being an ill-tempered, petty mess? Well, no, it's not, is it? And it's, you know, it's... Right. Warner in particular. You know, the, the whole thing with Quinton de Kock is that... Warner's one of these, but it just... It'll go at you, it'll go at you, it'll go at you, but when you turn back, and it's like, oh... That's not. That's not. When when anything gets said back at him, it's sort of just classic bullying nonsense. And I just don't think there's any need for it. That's what I always come back to. It's just that this is a really good Australian team that's probably got the best fast bowling attack in the world. And you know, uh, uh, I I just I I don't I don't see the need. Like you know, I just always think like when I've played cricket, more often than not. The team that's won has been the team that's been better at cricket, not the team that's better at being abusive to people. And I'm not quite sure why it needs to be part of our game, but there seems to be this kind of macho feeling that it it needs to be, and especially in international cricket, because you see it in... Like, I'm lucky that I got to watch a lot of T20 cricket around the world. Obviously, you know, the stuff with the Caribbean Premier League. I got to go out to Dubai just recently to watch the Pakistan Super League. And it just doesn't seem to be anywhere near as ill-tempered, does it? You, you don't have it. And it's almost nicer to watch as a result because you don't have the same snarling nonsense that seems to be associated with international cricket. It's it's the, it's always like, I always come back to there's, there's a big difference between the sort of, and, and where it seems to get confused and conflated is the sort of intensity and like, a real proper battle between two players where it's real, you know, yeah. and then there's, there'll be verbals involved in that, but it's, it's genuine somehow rather than just the, you know, I'm going to go on the field and I'm going to say this, this and this to this person and that person where it's just, it's just manufactured, isn't it? Well, it was something that it was something concoction. that it was something that Mark Nicholas said, and I thought he had a really good series in South Africa. Actually, Mark Nicholas, I watched quite a bit of it, and I thought I thought he was he was really good. But one of the things he said, I thought, was really interesting because he said um, that um, I, can't, I think it might have been Warren and him were talking. And they were talking about a spinner not having a bouncer, so having to manufacture intimidation, right? So, and I'm like, but. Do you really need that? Do you really need, like, in order to... I mean, maybe it's to get... I've never played cricket at that level, right? And more often than not... Have No, no, no. I've not, I'm not an international cricketer. Um, and the level of cricket I have played at, it's been fun, but I haven't really cared whether we've won or lost, right? Sometimes to the annoyance of the captain who I'm playing under. Because Are I, you sure you haven't played for England? No, definitely haven't. Um, although, I think I might, I might be... I'm trying to work out which countries I'd have qualified for because I'm a bit of a mongrel when it comes to nations. So I think I might qualify for Germany, um, Ireland, Scotland, England. I lived in Italy for a while. I reckon I probably lived there long enough to play for the Italian cricket team. Um, but I'm not good well, enough to... to have, yeah. But I'm not good enough to play for any of them. So 
that's the problem. But I mean, maybe you do. Maybe maybe you do need in order to get your blood boiling and you know your, the competitive spirit going. Maybe you do need to do that. I don't know. I mean, none of us are really in a position to answer that question, are we? Until you, I guess not. Make no. your Italy debut, then no. I mean, it's coming at some point. Um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get to next time I see you. I'll show off speaking Italian. Um, I like doing that. It, it makes me feel like a, 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 a more rounded human being because I'm doing Look something. Look at me, like James Richardson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, although his Italian, I'm yeah, sure, he is better can host than mine. podcasts. He's very good at hosting podcasts, actually. <laughs> um, uh, the ones during uh, the Euros last year were, were excellent. I enjoyed those. Anyway, uh, moving on. So, yeah. Was that one question? This is still one question. We're one 16 question. minutes in. Now. Yeah, I mean, is there anything else that we need to say? I suppose, ultimately, I suppose we could sum it up a little bit from our, from our point of view. I thought the piece that Dave did for Cricket 365 was really good, where he talked about how the punishment was for the reaction to the crime rather than the crime itself. I thought that was very telling. Um, I don't think a, t- a player needs to be banned for a year for this. Um, I don't think they should be banned from domestic cricket. I think that's really unfair. Um, I, I, I've heard rumours that Steve Smith's not allowed to play Ashes cricket on the PlayStation anymore. Because um, that will show backyard him. Backyard cricket. Backyard cricket. I don't know with backyard cricket. I suppose it depends whether or not. Seek clarification yes. from Cricket Australia on that one. Yeah. Um. I, I suppose that's ultimately. I don't think ball tampering is a massive issue. I think you know this is serious, probably a more egregious example of it than others. And they were given the maximum ban for it. I think the ICC is probably about right with it being a level two offence. Um. I think some of the the. The, the vitriol that I've seen from from I suppose some of the hand wringing I've seen from Australians I've not really understood some of the vitriol I've seen from people that aren't Australians I don't really understand I don't know how you could find any enjoyment out of this regardless of how you feel about the players involved I just think it's all a bit sad um, am I wrong guys Dan from an Australian perspective I think from an Australian perspective uh, which I, I do speak for all Australian now yeah, obviously I think um I I think there was just this sense of it was the first time that a lot of people, a lot of casual people who don't really follow cricket suddenly paid attention. I I, I don't know why it kind of caught the imagination so much. Like they didn't care about the series up to that point, even all the shit with Warner and De Kock and Warner and everybody else. Um, and then all of a sudden this blew up and like literally everybody was talking. People who had never spoken about cricket would like harass people who they knew knew about cricket and say, what's going on? What's all this about? What's ball tech? And then it's just like, all right, now I have to explain reverse swing to you for about an hour and a half. And <laughs> I, 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 I don't know why it caught the imagination, but that, that was where the fury seemed to come from. Like this sense of, and again, I don't really understand why they leapt to this being insane um, and worthy of that kind of punishment. But I think Cricket Australia was just reacting to that kind of response. Yeah, I think you know, and, and ultimately they, they need to they need to protect themselves as a commercial entity, and there has been a big yeah. backlash. Well, they to it. they lost thousands of sponsors, so yeah, and and that that is an issue. Um, but I mean, I don't know whether yeah, or it not... was brand tampering. Brand tampering. Brand tampering. That's what they got done for. Yeah, that's true. Wasn't the thing, and it's like like Dan says, I don't know why this particular. Maybe it's because it was so witless. It was like just... <laughs> yeah, maybe inept that it's like it was pantomime stuff that that just makes it some whether that makes it appeal somehow whether that makes it 
catch fire. But once it had, it was, you know, this just this mob, you know, people talking about it as the, you know, people with straight faces saying it was the biggest scandal in the history of cricket. Well, some of the, some of the comparisons in, in a week, I saw. In a week when the 10 teams for the World Cup were being confirmed. Yeah. We're talking biggest scandals in cricket. You know, it it did go mental. And I think Dan's hit on a really good point there with it. It, it went mental with people who aren't necessarily huge cricket fans. Because if you're a big Australian cricket fan with some sense of self-awareness, you know how the rest of the world sees the Australian cricket team and what they think of them and the way they behave. But I think to a lot of casual fans, this was like a, you know, they... Are we, are we the baddies? Yeah, and that, yeah. That, that, that was a big part of it. The, and the, enjoying so, enjoying watching England cricket when you realise we're the bad guys in the movie, you actually understand people's reactions to the England cricket team a lot more. You know, with the former yeah, colonial remember, power and all the rest of it. Like when I made that realisation, I reckon you know I made that quite late in life. I reckon yeah, I, probably, I made it embarrassingly late, but it's yeah. now I get it. Yeah, now I get it. And, but I think that that was a big thing that for a lot of people this was. This was the moment where the, you know, the scales fell from their eyes and they saw the Australian cricket team for what it was. And these three players have now, you know, carried the cam for, for you know, the team culture. There was a really yeah. interesting Coverdale piece on Crick Info, just as all of this were breaking. It was just trying to explain why this meant so much. I mean, like talking about, you were saying how random people in Australia, uh, I was out feeding the chickens in the garden um, the other morning. Um, and one of the chickens asked you? Yeah, one of the chickens. <laughs> the, the Duckworth, Duckworth and Lewis, the two ducks, um, wanted to know about it. Um, actually, uh, um, I wanted to... Um, uh, I, I'm thinking of getting um, a couple more ducks. Uh, obviously, one will be called Stern, and I'm trying to think of what the other one is going to be named. I'm thinking maybe Wasp... Um, so I don't know. I'm trying to I'm trying to work out what the best the best name is for it. But that's kind of an aside away from my poultry keeping, which is obviously what I spend most of my time doing. Predict Viz the duck. Predict Viz, that would be good, wouldn't it? Creek Viz. Um, yeah. So anyway, away from Predict Viz the duck, my neighbour walked out, and obviously she knows what I do for a living, and she kind of said to me, said, "Oh, what do you think about this this ball tampering thing then?" And I'm like, she's literally in all the time I've lived here, and I've lived in this house seven years, she's never once engaged in a conversation with me about cricket. Like, and I think that kind of sums it up, really, doesn't it? That if my neighbour in the valleys in South Wales is interested in this, it was it was the top story on the ten o'clock news. Mad, it's mad. I, I the Ashes was never the top story on the ten o'clock news. No, Cameron Bancroft with sandpaper in his underpants. Top story on the ten o'clock news. It and you know, there's nothing else going on in the country here at the moment, is there? So, well, the thing is, there's only been one story in this country for the last nearly two years, isn't it? So. It's like it does get to the point where you're just a bit bored. Where like the entire thirty-minute news is just about Brexit. It does get to the point where they're going. Do you know what? Let's talk about sandpaper in pants. It's a welcome <laughs> distraction <laughs> from the absolute... country. But at least we haven't got you know really chafed and sore testicles. I was speaking to a mate that works in a in a quango, and he was saying to me, "I think the Tories would probably try and cut our quango funding, but they're too busy doing other stuff. So we're just sat here working away." So, from his, point I don't of think view, we, I think we we've got enough to deal with with yeah. cricket in this podcast. If we start trying to tackle Brexit as well. <laughs> Let's we're, not. we're in real danger of going off topic. Let's not. Right. So, well, on a, a related, this was supposed to be a Q and A one, and we've done twenty three, twenty plus, more than twenty minutes. 
So anyway, so uh, Ali Mason asks, would would cricket be better if you just said ball tampering, fucking crack on, right? Um, I think it would be better if it wasn't this huge, stupid stigma. And I think if there were more clearly defined rules, you know, to this, you know, come on, this is what you can do. This is what you can't. Um, but fundamentally, reverse swing makes cricket a better game. And the sort of elephant in the room with reverse swing is that it's it pretty much means something nefarious has happened to make it work. You know, let's let you know that that's the the other thing with this is that every other country is leaping up and down and enjoying Australia's, you know, hubris and comeuppance and it's all great fun. But you've got former players going, oh, what they did was a disgrace and come and like, come off it, come off it. Dan, should we just let people tamper with their balls? I, I think I think you should allow five minutes beforehand, lay out a whole heap of stuff on the table with the ball and just say, go to town. And then after that five minutes, take everything away and they're fine. Whatever they've done to the ball at that point, um, before the, before each session, say, then a, that's fine. But yeah. There's a slightly disturbing so game on. You've got an old sounder there. Like, Cameron, Cameron, put your tape away. We don't, we've got this left. Um, there's a slightly, a slightly disturbing game that my son plays on his iPad which is where there's like a little dummy there and you just beat the crap out of it with anything you can come up with. You know, there's like guns and all the rest of it and it kind of like goes bouncing around. I think it's called like Buddy something. Um, but yeah, it's basically that is what you're suggesting. It's just that they go to town on it. I, don't, I mean, like, I, you know, I just I just think there's bigger issues in cricket. I just think we need to be looking, we need to be looking at corruption and match fixing and that being an issue. I think uh, the use of performing enhancing drugs in cricket is a massive, massive under-discussed issue. Those are the things that I'm really worried about as far as the integrity of the sport's concerned. Um, and I think, by and large, administrators are working on that. I know from a corruption point of view and a match-fixing point of view, it's pretty red-hot on that stuff. Um, and I think they're doing a good job in terms of trying to find stuff with the resources they have available. Um, and I just think there's just more important things for us to worry about. I'm not suggest- I don't think people should go out yeah. there with a corkscrew and start hammering away with the ball but realistically speaking if the ball gets rubbed on a zip and it makes it a slightly more interesting spectacle because it reverse swings late is that really the end of the world i'm just not sure it is um but yeah i i just like i was like uh, when it happened i thought oh that's quite funny let's see what happens from here on in and it's just got increasingly less funny and more and more depressing and sad <laughs> like and the, and the point a where bit you... like this podcast <laughs> yeah this about this podcast this podcast was fun about the tour <laughs> Up until about episode twenty, and since then it's just been it's just been a depressing mess. Uh, it's it's been shit since Fred left, if we're being honest, isn't it? So, um, right, yeah. Uh, let's move on. Let's ask another question that isn't about ball tap. There are many that aren't ball tap. Oh, here's a good one for David. Right, Samir at not a cricket hack asks: Ten hundreds at home and only three hundreds away from home. Is Rue a home track bully? I suppose this kind of opens up a discussion about England and the winter that they've had um, and also uh, about um, route maths in general uh, and how Joe Root moved from one sort of route math to the other. I mean, he's a genius. Joe Root is an evil genius. To spend the first portion of his career having his big scores ignored 
because he had a lot of low scores. And to then just go, all right, fuck you then. I'll score between 50 and 85 every time I bat, quite literally. And people go, he's not scoring any hundreds. I mean, it's he, he's on a one-man crusade to expose the the weakness of traditional cricket statistical measurement. And, you know, I, for one, applaud him for that. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he's, a, he's a standard deviation champion. <laughs> Um, it's it's. I was like, there was a prime example of this the other day, right? So I watched that um, the last South Africa Australia Test match, which had some cricket. Cricket broke out in amongst all of the other nonsense and ill temperedness. Um, and Temper Bavuma played a f- superb innings of ninety five not out, right? Genuinely set the test up in the first innings, just excellent. You know, bad at a really decent tempo and allowed South Africa to really bossed that test match and then morning walker got out for a first ball duck and he was obviously devastated his last test he really wanted to help his mate out get 100 but i was like if i was temper bavuma walking away from having scored a match defining 95 not out do those extra five runs really matter and i know this is something we've talked about a lot on this podcast and and how um the fact that we celebrate milestones based on how many fingers we evolved with but it is a bit mental, the obsession that cricket has with it, right? Because a 95 not out that's match defining is probably yeah. better than 180 is, in, a, in a draw, right? It is, and it is mental, and we've obviously talked about this loads, and uh, it's sort of the 100... It, it's, a, it's a number that works in so many ways, because obviously it's got its round number appeal, but it also just does seem like a fittingly... Just in the context of a cricket match... It's a fittingly large number of runs to be sort of noteworthy. It just, I get the appeal of it. I get why people like it. It's just, it is mad. But just think like, for someone like Bavuma, it, it really massively does matter, I think, because he's trying, he's still trying to establish himself in that side. And when, when your place is up for, you know, up for discussion, the match-defining nature of that 95 not out matters now, and it's obviously huge now, but sort of 12 months down the line when people say, oh, should he be in the side? It's, well, he's only scored X number of hundreds. It, you know, it it does change the, the argument there. And I know that that's still just coming back to the same argument, but if you're trying to establish yourself in a side, I think it does matter, and it probably shouldn't. But... No, it does. It does matter. People there going, well, you know, he's not converting the scores and all the rest. Like with Joe Root, Joe Root's been England's pretty much only batsman throughout the whole of the winter. And I think people would consider his winter to have been a failure because, yeah, because he hasn't scored 100. Is he a flat track, home track bully? Because he's only, I think he averages something about 47, something like that away from home. I'd have to check, but it's not, it's not dreadful. You know, he averages 60 at home and 47 away or something like that. Um, so it's not like he doesn't make any contributions. I suppose it, it boils and, down to it boils down to the fact that what cricket fans like doing is they like picking the metric that best proves their argument, right? Yeah. So you know, if 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 all of a sudden you know, I mean, it's it's the whole reason why root maths appeared. I was listening, I listened to a fair bit of fair bit of the test match on White Line Wireless, uh, which Dan appears on, which is very good uh, if you're looking for radio commentary of Australian matches. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's an alternative commentary collective um, from the Box of Dreams. 
and uh, and they they were doing root maths on air, and I was like, lads, you're doing root maths. Um, because I can't remember who they were talking about. I think they were talking about Mitchell Mart actually, who's prime candidate for for, yeah, uh, yeah. for root maths. Because of course he scored that massive hundred and eighty odd, and then hasn't done a huge amount since. Because before that one eighty, or, or before, or before, well, because before that one eighty, statistically he was the worst number six in Test match history. Yes. Um, which <laughs> which is quite an achievement in a way to keep to keep getting to keep getting picked. I mean, and I think I think Marsh is a fine cricketer, and I think the fact that he's not going to be at Surrey because he's having ankle surgery is a real a real downside for both Surrey and for county cricket. But I think, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I think hundreds is such a poor metric in under which to, to, to judge a batsman. Um, you know, probably one of the best batsmen in New Zealand's test histories, Stephen Fleming, who hardly scored any hundreds, but got his team out of all sorts of, all sorts of issues in the past. I mean, and it's great, you know, I'm all for people scoring hundreds, but I'm not sure whether or not it's the best metric. And no, I don't think, I don't think Joe Root's a home track bully. I think Joe Root's awesome and has the potential to kick on to be even better. Um, and he won't be living in Steve Smith's shadow for the next year, will he? So, there's that. Uh, are you allowed to joke about that? I don't think you are, are you? I'm sorry. It's still... Yeah, um, no, no, you are. Uh, he may live in his shadow if Smith comes over to play county cricket, though. So. Well, I hope I genuinely hope he does, um, and I hope I hope. Yeah, that that'd be fantastic. And I hope Cricket Australia think again about his ban from Shield cricket as well, because I, I I think you know it, it, the danger is that you lose him to the game altogether. You know, in terms of him coming back, having just not had the opportunity to play cricket. Um, so hey ho, uh, I, I as ever I'm out of step with public opinion on these things. Um, uh, you know, um, I got ratioed with a tweet about this the other day, guys. Um, Oh yeah, yeah. Where I was like, oh, look at the ratio. It was like five retweets, eighty replies. I was like, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm a little bit out of step with public opinion here. Um, but hey ho. Uh, right, uh, let's move on to another question. Um, to, oh, I've been asked whether I've ever been sued or threatened to be sued because there was some talk of that in the public. I won't talk about that specifically. But yeah, I yeah. have actually been threatened. Yeah. To be sued. I have actually been threatened to be sued. Um, after I wrote a book about associate cricket, um, about uh, a, by a certain a certain person involved in the administration of USA cricket at the time, um, it's a funny story. If you ever meet me in person, uh, I'll tell you the story, um, but I'm not going to record well, it. If, yeah, uh, well, I, I'm also releasing a book later this year, specifically making fun of an awful lot of cricketers. So you know, fingers crossed for me. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you never you never know, you never know. Uh, Dave, has anyone ever threatened to sue you? Um, I don't think they have. It seems vanishingly unlikely, doesn't it? I guess I'm, I guess I'm just not important enough to bother suing. Well, and as well, a lot of the things it's quite quite it's quite, it. it's quite difficult to take you to the old Bailey or you know the High Court or whatever to sue you for being a snarky prick. Yeah, you know that's that's the issue. Um, yeah, um, I suppose you know let's go. Uh, Rather than find another question, let's talk a little bit about England's winter, Dave and Dan. Um, it was a bit... I mean, it's been 13 tests now since they won overseas, uh, when they won the first test in Bangladesh last winter, and they've played 13 test matches overseas since then. They haven't haven't won any of them. They've lost the majority of them. Is it three draws and 10 losses? Yeah, one draw in India, one draw in Australia, one draw in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's I mean, it's not great, and I suppose the the issue is as well is that they've they've managed to lose. I'd, I'd, I'd say it was bad. 
Pete. Yeah, like, it's bad. It's bad. It's not great. Let's call it what it is. Well, England haven't lost to New Zealand in a Test series since 1999, and when they lost to New Zealand in a Test series in 1999, they were they were absolute dead last in the Test match. And everyone booed Nasser Hussain. I was at that. Game. I was at that game. I went to I was that there. game. Were you? Which day were you there? The last day. Uh, I don't think I was there the last day. I was there when Chris Cairn, Chris Cairn scored yeah. at 80 odd. I was there the last day with uh, with my dad, and we were sat with these New Zealanders. Um, and I'm, I've never known if this story is true, but I, I want it to be true, and I like it. So in my world, it is. These the, these three New Zealanders have gone for a little walk around the ground while England were collapsing, and uh, Mark Ramprakash got out first ball while they were on their little walk around the ground. And as they were walking around the back behind the pavilion and the change rooms at the Oval, um, a load of cricket kit came flying over their heads, um, which was Mark Ramprakash's cricket kit that he'd hoyed out the back of the Oval after getting out first ball in that game. Um, so, you know, I don't know if that story is true, but if you can disprove it, I don't want to hear from you. I, I like that story. <coughs> so I've decided it's a true one. And if... Mark Rampercash is listening and it's not true. Please don't sue me. Um, I mean, Mark Rampercash 100% isn't listening. So we're all good. I mean, if anyone's still listening at this point, congratulations. Well done for making it through this rambling mess. Um, there's a couple of IPL questions. Blink, blink twice if you're being held against your will. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's a couple of IPL questions. Um, I haven't really, like, I haven't really had much of a time. I start following it when it starts. Um, uh, Dan, is it on TV in Australia now? We we are getting it this season, so we're oh. all a bit excited about that. It's on it's on Foxtel for the first time in I don't know four or five years maybe. So yeah, we're we're going to get it's, it's a terrible time slot, but we'll we'll watch a few games. Well, as I work at home, um, my little office has a TV in it. IPL is brilliant for me because especially the double header starts at eleven o'clock and just be on in the background while I hammer away on my laptop. It's all it's all good. Um, Big fan, big fan of the IPL starting at eleven in the morning and finishing at seven at night. <laughs> Just something to be on the television. Um, I don't. I like. I. I need to. I need to look at the teams. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you who I think's. I looked when the auction happened, um, but I've kind of. I've kind of. I've got a little bit. I could probably give you every single CPL team, player by player, from one to eighteen at this stage. But I'm a little bit less up to date on the IPL. Dave, who's going to win the IPL? Um. Who's who's in it this year? Uh, Rajasthan Royals are back. The baddies are back, aren't they? The bad guys are back. Yeah, yeah. It used to be you used to go, oh, Chennai Super Kings, and then it you know, and you could just walk away going, that's fine. I, I'm, I get into the IPL when it starts. I I couldn't even tell you who's playing for who. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. The autumn just sort of washes over me. I don't. I sort of go, oh, that's a lot of money. Oh, they've signed him, and, and then I instantly forget who signed who. And then when the games start, I go, oh, that team's quite good, or this team's bobbins. So I've got genuinely no idea who will win it, but I'm in, looking forward to it enormously. Yeah, it's always great fun. I love the IPL. The IPL is fantastic. It is brilliant. It's, it's such a great tournament, and and I think, uh, yeah, um, I think. The fact that everyone else in the world's kind of worked out that's the way you should have cricket tournaments makes kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Um, we need to realise that cricket is India and India is cricket, and I think those of us that have realised that um, are, are probably better off for it, to be honest, because you need to be watching Indian cricket if you want to try and make a living out of all of this. Um, 
Although then you do get upset when you offer in a contrary opinion. Um, people get upset with you. But hey-ho, that's life. Uh, anything else anyone wants to talk about? Should we just call it a day? We've been rambling on for 40 minutes. That's plenty, isn't it? Yeah, it's loads. I mean, yeah, more than enough. England are rubbish. Ball tampering isn't that big a deal. Uh, Don't sue us. Fans were silly. IPL is good. I think we've yeah covered it. Um, cool. I'll uh, I'll try and get this edited before I have to go to the Caribbean again. God, the life I <sighs> lead. It's dreadful. I've got to go to I've got to go to St Lucia, Trinidad, and Jamaica, lads. Yeah, terrible. Yes. It's, it's awful. That's it's all right. Awful. I, d- I just had a summer in Australia. I'm fine. Yeah, you're all good. Uh, I, I I went to Dubai. Oh, that's why I did. Oh, the other thing I want to say before I go, the PSL was great. I loved it. It was awesome. Really good. Um, yeah, really, really interesting tournament with some competitive teams. Um, it was fun. Um, and Dubai is a weird place. Uh, still haven't quite got my head around it. Um, one of the stranger places I've ever been to in my entire life. And I've been to Hong Kong, which is proper weird. But I think Dubai is weirder. Um, yeah. Hey ho. Right. Thank you very much for listening. I've been Peter Miller. I've been joined by David Tickner and Dan Libke. Uh, we'll be back again with another podcast. I mean, probably, should we say six, seven months? I reckon you should serve a 12 month ban. Come back in a year. <laughs> Let's do that. The next Geek and Friends podcast will be uh, the beginning of April 2019. Take care, guys. Bye.